and welcome to this edition of Deeper. It is so good to have you with us for another look at a Bible passage that we looked at on Sunday here at Christchurch. Uh, it's great to have Beck with us. Uh, Beck didn't preach though, did you? No, I didn't. No, no. no. Rob preached. It was Rob. Rob preached, but he's not available today, so you got me. <laughs> he actually booked in golf. What can you do, eh? So uh, he's playing golf in the rain, apparently, uh, and we are recording deeper. So um, we're going to look at the passage he preached on on Sunday. Uh, it's Matthew 25, verses 31 to the end. Very fascinating passage, and uh, we'd love you to read it now, and, and then restart the video when you've read it. Okay, should we get into this? Okay. So we're going to look at this passage, and we're going to do it in three chunks. Uh, now that you've read the passage, you'll know in lots of ways, it's quite a simple story, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's fairly straightforward what it's got to say. Um, really well-known passage, um, but it's got some interesting things in it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the one thing to notice here is that uh, be, I, I think it's important that you read this passage in context. Because mm -hmm. it's part of a whole series of things that Matthew's put together of Jesus teaching about the signs of the end of the age and then the end times, and then three parables, this is the third one, all looking at the end times. So uh, there's something here about reading this in, in the whole context of what Matthew is putting together. And uh, if you ever have time, I'd encourage you to read from 24 onwards, um, just so you get a sense of what Matthew is trying to get across. So we're going to look at the first uh, three verses, uh, verses 31 to 33, which is like the opening of the parable. Uh, what do you want to, to bring out here, Beth? What do you see? So I think what I want to notice here really is that, that Jesus is talking about himself um, and he's introducing this idea here that, that he, the Son of Man, who refers to himself as the Son of Man previously, um, that he is the one who's going to come in glory yeah. as the judge. Yeah. Um, but he also, in this opening section, talks about um, separating people as a shepherd, which is another really familiar image. Um, and so we've got this kind of um, combination of judge and shepherd that, that Jesus is our ultimate redeemer and judge, that he's our friend. And, and I think that's really significant that we start off with that view of who Jesus is. That's right. And, you know, it's, there's a number of things going on here. So, like, the other two parables, when you look at them, they are all about uh, kind of an individual's preparation for the, the end times. Uh, this is much more about the judgment. And uh, so don't try and read this parable in isolation and get a picture of what salvation is about. This needs to be read in context. Um, and the, the whole thing about the sheep and the goats is, I mean, in most cultures, people don't have sheep and goats mixed. But around Palestine, they, both sheep and goats could roam freely. And so at the end of the day, uh, a shepherd would have to root out the goats, who actually needed more warmth than the sheep, um, and kind of separate them out at the end of every day. So this kind of an image that would have been current for most people. Um, the other thing I see here is uh, just a reminder that when Jesus comes again, it'll be in a completely different way to how he first mm -hmm. arrived. You know, so Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. So this is not about you know, some quiet return. There's no shepherds. There's no, no stable. This is Jesus with all the heavenly hosts coming back to bring judgment on 
upon the world. Um, and so we've got sheep and goats. What's wrong with goats? I don't know what is wrong with goats. Nothing's wrong with Nothing. goats. Nothing. Yeah. They're just different. Someone actually asked me that <laughs> yesterday. What's wrong with goats? I mean, why, why are the goats the, the, the baddies in this? Uh, there's nothing wrong with goats. They I mean, can be quite cute sometimes. They can be. Uh, and it'd be wrong to kind of, I think, to infer that there's some kind of symbolism going on here. I think it is simply a picture that everyone was used to seeing at the end of the day. Uh, and then we have all nations. And there's, the, there's something there, I think, about the completeness of the whole world across the whole of time. Um, and that, you know, every generation in every nation will at some point face the judgment of the Son of Man. Yeah, the, the fact that this is universal, that it's everyone is, is important, isn't it? And sets yeah. us up for, for what else is going to be said. And then we come on to the main crux of the, uh, the passage. So verse 34, uh, we'll look at 34 to 40. Um, anything you want to bring out on this? So this is a really well-known, really well-used passage. Um, and it's, it's really important because it's saying something about our, the expected response to the gospel. Um, and so, um, lots of people have used it. If you, if you wanted to talk about a social gospel or you wanted to really talk about social action being, you know, how you treat people, being a good person is the important thing that Jesus is looking for from you. And um, then lots of people use this passage to argue for that, that, that what Jesus is saying here is if you have cared for the poor and the sick and the needy then then you're in because that's what Jesus requires of you um, and then others would argue well actually no this is, this is a real problem for us this passage because it's saying that it's all about works and there's no mention of faith um, but actually I think there's there's a bit of a nuance in it so um, there is this isn't a judgment scene, is it? There isn't any sort of evidence being rolled out in, in some ways. It's, it's as if Jesus has already, um, been involved with these people who are being judged, that he knows, um, how they've acted, but he, there's also a pre-existing relationship that they're already separated out at the point when we start seeing mm -hmm. their actions judged. Yeah. And so there is an element of relationship yes. in it. And, and both of those are required. And for me, that, that says that this passage is about our response to the gospel and then our response to it in terms of how we live out the rest of our lives, that we're, we're free to live however mm -hmm. we want, but we're called to live a particular way as people who've responded to the gospel at Jesus' preaching. And there's a phrase that, that caught my eye in this, which I'd never really noticed before. Um, so in verse um, uh, 34, uh, he says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. So he's talking to people who are already blessed, and they inherit the kingdom of God. Um, and that just got me thinking, what does actually Jesus mean by that? Because it seems to be different to you're getting blessed because you're entering the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's, I don't think he's saying that. So these are people who are as bettered already in relationship to the Father uh, and living out their life in such a way that, that their works speak for themselves. So I think there is an element of faith here. I think there's an element of, of relationship to the Father that we perhaps need to look at a little bit closer. It's a bit vague, all of that, but that does not say to me, you're blessed because you're going to heaven. It says you're already blessed. 
and now, because of the things that you've done, you're also going to heaven. Um, so these are people who've responded to human needs, and uh, that is a sign of faith. And that, you, know, you can read the book of James, it talks about how we need to balance both faith and works together. Uh, and faith on its own is not enough, works on its own is not enough, we need to do both. And that's really important. So picking up being Anglican for a moment and um, responding to human need by loving kindness is one of the five marks of mission yeah. that we recognize as Anglicans. Um, and that's really important because we can get held up on mission as being mm. all about the, the conversations that we have with people, all about evangelism. But actually, this all works together in the mission of God that that's so much bigger than you know the conversations that we have I think are the area of mission we focus on because it's so easy for us to back out of it and and shy away from ever saying anything whereas we're much more comfortable with the idea of of doing good mm. things um but actually the mission of God is for the whole of this redemption and restoration, that the whole world would be blessed yeah. through his people. And that means us as the church being a blessing in the way we behave and as well as the things that we say to help people encounter Jesus. There's an old cliche, isn't it, that uh, gets bandied around churches, you know, we're blessed to be a blessing. And there's a kind of truism in that, you know, we are blessed and we are meant to then carry that blessing out into others. Uh, and it's amazing how Jesus phrases the question, you know, uh, I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And he's pointing people there to the, to the image of God that is in every single person, to the dignity of every single hu mm -hmm. human person. Um, we sometimes, uh, in our humanity, kind of dehumanize people. I mean, see it in other cultures particularly, but also in this culture. Um, we like to dehumanize people because if we dehumanize them in some way they are less than us uh, and less than how God created them and we need to recognize that all people carry within them the image of God and that means they, they need to have that sense of dignity that only we can give them anything else you want to and the, gosp the gospels all of them pick up on this theme of caring for the poor that that's such an important thread yeah. of everything that Jesus does and everything that happens in the early church is focused around the dignity of those who are poor and mm. and in need that that, that comes from and um, the image of God that we see in Absolutely. them and right at the end um you know it's Jesus goes from talking about those who are in need to to the least of these so in other words even the least of those who are the least, they deserve our kindness and our, uh, our works. Um, they too carry the image of God. So let's move on to the final section, uh, which is um, where the rubber hits the road for some people. Uh, so this is the part of the section where those who didn't do those things, well, they are uh, sent effectively into hell. Mm. So anything you want to say on that? Well, I think um, for me, a really important element of how we respond to mission is, is what we believe about what happens um, at the end of our life, at the end of the world. Um, it's really important that we have some sort of sense of, of what we believe about that, um, but also that we, we think about what that belief 
does to how we act. So one about us, our own actions, yeah. about how we um, treat others, whether we are people who are caring for those around us in the way that we think we should be responding to the gospel, but also whether we have a sense of urgency about sharing our faith, whether we think that other people need to be given that opportunity mm. to respond to Jesus. Um, so that they too can respond to the gospel. So it's quite an important question, really. It's a hugely important question. And we'll get a little bit more into it in our, our next section, uh, the wider section. Uh, but this, this part of the passage is actually quite simple. It's a reflection of the, the first part that we looked at. You know, Jesus said, I was hungry and you didn't feed me and all those kind of things. And these are people who just did not respond to, to human need around them. And, um, and that is... That actually is quite a lot of people when you think around how um, how little kindness there is in the world. You know, and certainly in, you, know, you look at things on social media and that kind of stuff, there is a lot of hate at the moment. Uh, and those who are called to be followers of Jesus are called to make a difference and to be a different kind of person and to treat people differently. And, um, and that's, that's effectively what this whole parable is about. How are you treating others? How are you treating those who are the most needy? So before we go on to the next session, anything final you want to say? Um, no, just really that, that this is stuff for us to take seriously, isn't it? That, that there is, um, in this passage at least, the very clear um, sense that we will be judged on the way we've responded mm. to the gospel and to those around us um, and that we need to take seriously the way that Jesus calls us to live and in lots of ways I, I always want to reflect on the love of God and the grace of God mm. but in this judgment scene we do also see that there are some things that are required of us um, that Jesus is looking for us to, to live in a particular way um, and we shouldn't shy away from that truth as well. No, absolutely not. So let's go a little bit wider and think about what all this means for us. So let's go a little bit wider and think about what this means for us. Um, so uh, let me go first. Uh, I think this story speaks to us about, obviously about our eternal salvation. What does that actually mean? What does that look like? Um, and, you know, there is... There's a number of things that we need to understand here with this parable that does need to be read in context. Uh, that a parable doesn't always tell the whole story. Yeah, and we've talked about that a little bit over the last couple of weeks, that you know, sometimes when we're talking about our faith, we don't need to dump the whole of the story from creation to judgment at the end on people, that we feed them little bits, we kind of encourage them along on a journey. And a parable is something that gives someone something, not the whole thing, to reflect on and think about. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, this is not about you only get to heaven through good works. But what it is, I think, is a call for us to be truly disciples of Jesus who don't just pray the sinner's prayer and then that's it, I'm saved. That we should be people who are living out our faith each and every day. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so as I was saying earlier, that how we respond to the gospel, it should be reflected in our actions as well as just our beliefs. Yeah. Let's go on to a, a second point. Do you want to bring one up? 
Um, so, so that theme of how we respond to, to the poor and to those in need um, is really central to the gospel. Um, and sometimes I think we can fall into feeling that Christian faith is about trying to live a pure life and trying to um, sort of keep our hands clean. But I, I get a sense in the gospel sometimes that it's much more about getting our hands dirty and getting stuck in with people in the mess of life um, and how we are good news and light in in hopeless situations. Um, so how does our understanding of the gospel sort of lead us to live? Should it, should it be sort of separating ourselves for purity, which has been a really central theme of Christian tradition, or is it about getting stuck in, which has also been a central theme of Christian tradition in different yes, ways? Absolutely. And then the third point is, um, kind of for me is, it, this emphasises once again the reality of heaven and hell. Uh, and they, they, they are both disputed things in, in all sorts of ways. You know, and, and Rob brought that up a little bit about his, you know, the, the image of what uh, many people have of heaven. Um, and whatever kind of image we have of heaven and how we understand it, whatever image we have of hell and how we understand that, uh, we have to understand that certainly for Jesus, these were things he talked about uh, and as realities. Uh, and we need... To, to try and work with that and understand, because let's face it, to most modern minds, the idea of hell is not, at least as an eternal punishment, uh, is not a great idea. But it should call us to an urgency in sharing our faith. Because if we are called to be followers of Jesus and uh, believe in the things that he said, then those two realities, whatever they may look like, uh, and there's different ways we can interpret both of those things, they should call us to a sense of urgency in drawing people to Jesus. Absolutely. And and that is one of the huge challenges of these sorts of conversations in our society, isn't it? We're talking about speaking to culture. People just find the idea of hell absolutely disgusting. And, um, and for us to be preaching that is really difficult. And so how do we... Um, sort of not go too far the other way in just an, in an attempt to be liked, but how do we um, communicate something of the grace of God and the love of God, but also of the need for our response in order to be saved? Um, and, and how do we speak well about this redemption and restoration theme? How do we sort of speak about God's intention to restore all things um, and including us, how, yeah. how God's going to restore the full image of God in us mm-hmm. as all things are made new. I think that's an important point that, you know, part of the whole restoration idea is that we are entering back into the place where we should be with God and then that should actually affect how we treat other people. So let's think of uh, some questions for you to, uh, to reflect on in your missional communities or on your own. Okay, so we've got five questions for you to consider. Uh, And uh, the first one is a kind of all-encompassing one, just to help you reflect on the parable. Uh, Why do you think Jesus tells this parable? What's in his thinking as he discusses that with with those who are hearing? Okay, so how does it make you feel that you will be judged? This is a very clear Mm. statement that judgment will come. How does that feel to you? Great. 
And your second question? Oh, my second question. I primed it to do this together. Okay, and how, um, when we think about that, that understanding of Jesus as both judge and shepherd, um, does that impact on how you feel at all? Does that change the way that you understand that judgment to be? Great. Fourth question is, uh, what does this passage not say about salvation? And what other passages do we need to draw upon to get a more complete picture of what salvation means? Uh, and then the final question, uh, this is one just for discussion and um, for you to kind of reflect on what does heaven and hell mean to you? and How does that impact how you live your life? So spend some time reflecting on those questions. Uh, we hope you have fun with them, uh, but I hope also that they'll be, bring a challenge into your life. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Beck, for joining us. Thank and you. we will see you again next week. Take care now. Goodbye. See you. Bye.